Welcome to There's an Elephant in Your Office. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And together, we're advancing the conversation about mental health in the workplace. Today, we're going to discuss amazing mammoths. These are the elephants that we discussed in our opening episode that are employees with an adjustment disorder. And today we want to dig a little deeper into what that actually means. So amazing mammoths are employees that have a great difficulty coping with or adjusting to a particular source of stress. You can think of a metaphor of a giant circus elephant bouncing on a teeny tiny ball. The employee is the ball in this example, and the elephant is an external stressor weighing down your employee. The bigger and heavier the stressor, the harder it is for your employee to focus on and do their job. So these external stressors could be a variation of things, but typically it's something such as the ending of a marriage or relationship, loss of a job, death of a loved one, perhaps someone develops a serious illness, victim of a crime, living through a natural disaster, etc. You may notice that these are pretty typical things that might happen over the course of a person's life. And some people cope with these events well enough that it doesn't impact their day-to-day life at home or work, but others don't. That's right. And just to clarify, not everyone who experiences a major life event has an adjustment disorder. Most people have those coping mechanisms. They have some kind of a support system that enables them to process grief or loss, whatever they're experiencing, and then they return to good health eventually. Um, The key indicator, what you can look for in a person with adjustment disorder, is a greater or more intense reaction to the stressor than what is typical or expected for the situation or event. You might call it overreacting, making a mountain out of a molehill, but for some people, they literally cannot deal with what's happening. They get stuck in this process of trying to work through the stressor, and their inability to cope starts to look like clinical depression or a similar mental illness, but it's not. You may have heard this called situational depression. It's behavior that is a short-term reaction to a situation and not a lifelong condition. And I'm here to tell you there is somebody in your office on any given day living this. They're struggling to do their job because a two-ton elephant is sitting on their head. Right. And if you think that people aren't, then they're hiding it really well. But my guess is that if you really paid attention or if you're in touch with your staff, then you're going to notice that they're having a difficult time, even if you don't know what's causing it. Yeah, and we'd like to hear from you. So if you're listening to us, thank you very much. Um, Leave us a voice memo. Let us know what are the external stressors in life that affect you at work? Maybe you had a baby and the baby was in the NICU. That's a really difficult situation. And another kind of interesting way that this has gotten worse probably in the recent decade or so, definitely as we continue to be more and more dependent on our phones, is the separation of communication. 
And in the past, most employees could set aside their personal issues during the workday because there was that more distinct separation between work is work and home is home. And those two things didn't overlap as much. If you think back to when we were kids back in the 19s. Yes, in the 19s. My child told me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was, didn't make me feel old at all. Um, Anyway, if you think back to when we were kids, if you had to talk to one of your parents during the day, you had to call their work number, ask whoever answered the phone to get your mom or dad and bring them to their phone and make them stop their job. So that was a big deal. And really, most people only would do this if it was something very important that couldn't wait. Because not only were you distracting your parents from their job, you were taking up the business landline. And I'd like to interject that it was also scary (laughs) for you or me as the kid to call and have somebody businessy answer and try to be like, "Um, yes, could I speak with John, please? Absolutely. Absolutely. And now fast forward to 2020 and the advancement of technology. Um, We have changed that to where you can call everyone pretty much directly. But in the process, we have made coping actually much more difficult by eroding that barrier between work and home. So when we have these tiny pocket computers, communication and all those notifications truly never stop. To figure out how this looks in the workplace, I did an experiment this week with some people in a professional office. These are nine to five kind of people. And I asked them to make a little tick mark every time they had some sort of communication of a personal nature. If their kid texted them, if they called their babysitter, if they had to make a dentist appointment, anything like that. So the results turned out like this. Uh, The most tick marks were 17, followed by 13 and 10. That's a lot of distractions. Those top three were all female. And two of those three had children. And one of the ladies just confessed that she was really distracted that day and kept scrolling through her social media feed. Um, Our oldest person that participated was a man at age 57, and he had zero. That means he went the entire work day with no other external communication of a personal message or a personal nature. Wow. I don't, yeah. That's, yeah. How do you even do that? Okay. And then um, what was really surprising to me went uh, with ages. So the youngest person was a male who was 30 and a female that was 33. Neither one had children and they had hands down the most interactions for the day and so I wonder you know why is that they're not calling the babysitter and they're not arranging for pickup from practice so what are they doing you want to know what the the young man said what did he say he said oh I was texting with my sister and my girlfriend to figure out where we were going to eat dinner Okay, so normal life stuff. Yeah, I mean, very important dinner reservation. Yeah, and I'm sure that someone said, I don't know, I don't know. And so 12 text messages later, they decided to go where they always go. So I think all of that lines up with how much we are distracted. And according to a recent Washington Post article, I found the typical office worker is interrupted or switches tasks on average every three minutes and five seconds. 
very specific, but it's a lot. <laughs> and a, a widely cited 2008 University of California Irvine study found that it takes 23 minutes to get back on task after you're interrupted. So if you think about how many times the people in your study reported they were distracted, and then the average being every three minutes and five seconds, how much time in productivity we are losing with every ding from our phone. Yeah, let me throw a little wrench in that plan. Uh, watches that are the smart watches. There was some discussion among the people in my survey that the watches help them kind of scan uh, who's texting or screen their phone calls. And so it's less of a distraction. They don't have to physically get their phone out. They glance at their wrist and then they get back to what they were doing faster. It's Ashley, and I really did want to know how our one gentleman went all day with no external communication of a personal nature. I just couldn't, I just couldn't fathom how that was possible. So let's listen to him and a couple of other people explain that to us. Um, so this week I did a little informal survey and you two gentlemen were my youngest and my oldest on the survey. And it was super interesting because you had zero. Yes. And you had the most. I can't remember. It was like 11 maybe. Maybe. Something like that. So I'm curious, who did you talk to or interact with on all your little click marks? Uh, it was mostly my girlfriend and my sister on the, the biggest one was we were trying to figure out if we were going to eat over in the cafeteria or go somewhere because they all work here. So so that's, I mean, that's good. You were trying to arrange things. And is that a normal way that you communicate with them? Text? Yeah, we usually only text because calls seem to be much more distracting. Okay, that's interesting. And then you had zero. How did you have zero? You didn't talk to anybody that wasn't work? My... I have very little outside communication while I'm at work. Um, I do have some since the wife works here. We jabber on occasion. Uh, and, and I will say we did jabber that day, but it was about work. So I didn't count that as a, you know, yeah. as a tick mark. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, I get occasional text from my daughter or my son uh, while I'm here, and I'll text them back. But uh, and that's... Know, I don't communicate that much with people while I'm at work that much at all <laughs> <laughs> do you think part of that is because that's just how you were raised that's what was status quo you went to work and you worked and if you needed to talk to people you talked to them later somewhat that's part of it I mean I I don't when I get busy doing something I don't get just you know I'm focused on mm -hmm. it and I don't I tend to keep working on it and now all of a sudden I look up and it's time to go home. You know, I, I don't have okay. a million things going at once. I, I focus on one thing at a time. So I think it's more, it's as much personality as it is age. I just, it's not in my nature to communicate mm -hmm. with people constantly. I prefer to, you know, especially if I'm working, to be working on what I'm working on and I'm focused on what I'm doing and, and not really paying much attention to what's going on around me or you mm -hmm. know my watch will vibrate like his and tell me you know 
I'll take a quick peek and then go back to work. Uh, you know, like, yeah, the smart like that watches. Was just, that was just telling me that, that I've been sitting for an hour and it's time to get up and go for a walk. Ah, you know, I get those kinds of things, but that's that's. You know, that's like, for your health. Yeah. That's different than where yeah, do you the, want to eat. The watch has really changed as far as how quick I respond to people because, you know, it gives you a little snippet yeah. of what the message is or what it is, if it's an image or if it's an email or something. And that's really helped as far as am I going to pick up the phone and look at it or that can wait. Yeah. You get a you know, quick you, snippet of how important is it. Yeah. yeah you can going. prioritize. And you can see who it is before you pick up your phone. So yeah. depending on who it is, I'm, I'm not going to reply for a while. So. That's a great point because the smartwatches just keep growing in popularity. And so you might be in a meeting or at dinner and people are just looking at their wrist and they're scanning their calls, screening their calls. Now, so yeah. it, it's not that I'm saying, oh, God, I'm bored. I want to get what time, how long are we going to be? It's that I've got a message here and I'm checking it real quick to see mm-hmm. if it's something important I need to break out of the meeting and go take care of. Mm-hmm. You know, without picking up my phone and making it really obvious. Yeah. So the watch lets you be more covert. Somewhat, In yeah. checking. <laughs> yeah, it kind of streamlines it. So you also participated in our My Little Experiment Monday, and you had some tick marks. You had some interruptions during the day. So just tell us what interrupted you. Who was it? What were they wanting? Most of the interruptions I have during the day are from my kids. I've got a high schooler, a middle schooler, and a freshman in college. So usually there are things that the kids are wanting or questions or practices or can I get them this at the store, things like that. So is that a pretty average day for communication? Light day, heavy day? Um, probably pretty average I guess I don't of course my middle schooler doesn't have his phone with him during the day because they're not allowed to so I don't ever hear anything from him until you know three or four o'clock when he's getting off the bus and he usually checks in Um, my college students hit or miss Um, usually it's my daughter because she's in high school and is always texting me different things which is good I mean I'm glad that she wants to talk to me about things okay that's awesome and then are you able to kind of handle that and then just go back to what you were doing or does it take a while to refocus? Uh, I think it's, no, I think I'm I'm so used to everybody. I think now is so used to multitasking that it's usually just a quick glance, answer a question that she may ask or look at something she sends me and then it's just right back at it. Okay. Thanks again to our special guest, for telling us a little bit more about their distractions. And now let's rejoin Andrea and she's gonna give us some tips on how we can be less distracted, more productive in the workplace. Yeah, so that is a great topic and maybe one that we can hear more comments from and dive into deeper. But as I thought about this, there are a couple of things that I have seen work really well in especially open shared spaces. Aside from putting a busy status on your instant messenger or Google chat or putting your phone on silent, um, some things I've seen work are putting up an in the zone sign. Um, So when someone shares cubicle space, it can be hard to let people know that you actually need to focus on something without ignoring or offending that person. So I've seen people just hang a a little sign. They write in the zone 
on their cubicle wall and also put that message on their instant message or chat. And that just lets people know not to, res not to expect a response right away, but they could email and get something later or just try again. That sounds like a fancier version of a post-it note my coworker uses that says, on deadline, only come in if you have to. Yeah, it's a classed up version. I like it. I like it. I mean, what literally whatever works for you in your workspace, that's what is going to help you focus and not get so distracted. Did you have any Great. other tips that came to mind? Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to talking about our amazing mammoths. Those are the employees experiencing an adjustment disorder. And the thing about those employees is that they look the same when they came to work today as they did yesterday or last week. They don't just show up on Monday morning in a wheelchair and a back brace and eye patch because a relationship ended or because they received an unexpected health diagnosis. If their internal struggle manifested as visible physical impairments, it would be so easy to identify them but that's not how it works. Uh, instead, they have these subtle changes in appearance and behavior as the weight of the stressor increases. And so tangible things that you can watch for are a change in appearance and a change in behavior over time. Because we're not talking about mismatched socks on laundry day or it's windy and I'm having a bad hair day. We're talking about weeks, a pattern where they come in and they look sloppy, uh, disheveled. Uh, they've put very little, if any, effort into getting dressed. It's the equivalent of how the college kids in my uh, public speaking class look when they roll in for a 10 o'clock class in the morning. They're rough, but they're <laughs> present. They are not absent. They are there, but they are looking, you know, not that great. And so a similar thing can work for these people in the workplace. And then for behavior, you know, if they're ones that get coffee in the morning and they chat and hi, how are you and your kids and vacations and they stop coming to the kitchen and their door is shut and they're isolating or maybe they're really irritable or distracted and just in general, they're staying away from everybody. Those are the kinds of changes in behavior that might indicate that they're struggling to process some type of stress. Another way that someone who is having a difficult time coping may show up at work is through presenteeism. I'm sure you have heard of this before, but to be clear, the National Center for Biotechnology Information defines presenteeism as the problem of workers being on the job, but because of illness or other medical conditions not fully functioning. So they're there, but they're not really there in a nutshell. And companies figured out years ago that employees who are physically absent from work can negatively impact the bottom line. So, you know, if you're not at work physically, you can't produce. But if you're there and you're mentally not there, you're still not going to be producing at the same level. So we've tried to talk about presenteeism and find ways to work around it, but you're going to be able to spot it when you see yeah, it. Yeah, you know these people. 
they spend most of the day on their phone, they're in the break room, they're in the bathroom. Every time you go by to ask a question or get information from them, they're not at their desk or they're not in their space. And after a while, you're like, are they hiding? Are they distracted? Um, Are they, you know, in the bathroom just scrolling through their social media feed? Because we need them to work. None of those options are good for the employer. And I'll go so far as to say that very distracted behavior on the job site can lead to some performance problems, but really some safety concerns. Yeah, that's true. And if you're distracted, I mean, you think of the the people who don't even look up from their phone when they cross a busy street, just putting their fate in the hands and assuming that drivers also aren't distracted. I mean, you can take the same analogy and apply it to the workplace. If you're in a manufacturing environment or, you know, doing some kind of hazardous work, if you're distracted, not just on your phone, but in your own thoughts or because you're not just fully present, it can be a safety concern. Yeah, because we have people that deal with hot melted plastic. If that doesn't go where it's supposed to go, people will be injured. Absolutely. And also when we talk about, you know, are they on their phone? Are they at the front desk again? Are they getting a snack again? I mean, people can start to get reputations that might last longer than whatever they're dealing with. That's a good point. So it can... Yeah, and it can be really helpful to that person just if to even mention that that you're noticing maybe they're not as present or if there's something happening. And, you know, we can maybe dive into ways to tackle that another time. But, you know, once you notice those things, you start to notice them a lot more and then your reputation can really just keep going in a negative direction. Yeah, in our book, we've got some really great practical solutions for how to Um, handle some of these amazing mammoths in the workplace, ways that they can be more productive in their job and that the employer feels that everyone is being successful. But we'll save all that for another episode. Great. So for this one, to recap, the amazing mammoths are employees with an adjustment disorder. And it's not the actual situation that constitutes the adjustment disorder It's the subsequent and short-term reaction that occurs when a person has a really hard time coping with or adjusting to whatever external stressor is going on. And you might think, oh, this is the one that complains all the time, or this is the person that is just so obviously an Eeyore grump in the office, but that's not necessarily true. And it's not always the most vocal person. If you see the signs, You can show you care by checking in with that person, whoever they are, even if it's not someone you typically work with side by side. And you can ask them if there's anything you can do to help. If you were that manager, you could ask if they need some specific guidance. But a lot of times just showing any sign of care can really turn someone's day around and help them, you know, maybe make a difficult time a little less difficult by feeling supported, and then they'll be able to more quickly return to their usual self once they move. Yeah, because they don't have that support system. They are stuck trying to process whatever they're dealing with. And so you're going to step in and support them because honestly, that's what they need to work through their situation. And admittedly, there are boundaries and lines as the employer and a manager and a colleague that we would have that are different than if they were in your family or your close friend. 
Because that's not to say that you should cross the line and start getting really overly personal and asking those types of questions. But, you know, asking, hey, are you okay? Is there anything I could do to help you is not crossing a line. Right. That's being a nice and kind human being. And that is that allowed. That is. I, I think in every job place <laughs> that is allowed. I hope that's so. Right. Well, I think that probably wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time when we tell you about the invisible elephants. Those are my people. And just as a reminder, we're addressing the elephant in the office to help not just the one in five U.S. adults experiencing a mental illness, but the five in five who have mental health. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.